God, that countdown is so lame. I wish that we had a producer to count us in. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, I guess we're live-esque because I'm not pushing this out onto any of the platforms. But um, this is a rant, Christopher Sweat. I'm sure you guys know me by now. But um, I have a really amazing guest with me today, uh, Jonathan Scott. And I, I think I'm not going to try to predict it because we didn't get to plan this out, but I think it's going to cover a, a lot of different territory. Uh, from what I understand, and um, Jonathan, I'll have you pipe in here in just a moment, but from what I understand about uh, Jonathan, um, you know, we can't just reduce people to their studies or their work, but it is a basic place to start. So I do understand, um, Jonathan, that um, you studied philosophy in undergrad, um, you've done some things in computer science, that's in progress. That's great. Um, and, and then also, I believe uh, you, you've done some, uh, some. I guess they call it white hat hacking. Yeah, yeah, white so white white hat. And then I guess this we'll, we'll get into it because it it goes a little it goes a little bit gray hat. Uh, it gets very interesting. Um, to okay. Say the least. Yeah. No, I can't wait to hear about this. And um, each time I do an episode, people probably find a little bit more out about my personal background. So um, where I've spent most of my time is around uh, engineers and computer scientists uh, in uh, the telecom uh, network and enterprise software space. Um, so I'm sure you've got some thoughts and opinions there. But um, I I'm excited to... Uh, bring you on. I, I think like, I think the first time I noticed you online, I, I might've heard you say something, but then I went to your Twitter and I was like, Oh, he, he does hacking. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh man, I love talking to hackers. Cause I, you know, I, I built my first computer when I was 11 and I don't have the chops that you have, but I love talking to people that have chops on the, the machines or in the code. So Jonathan, maybe um, you could give uh, our audience just a little bit of a, a better understanding of like where you're coming from, however you want to put that down and then we'll break the discussion. In. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I'm Jonathan Scott. I, I, I am 35 years old. Um, and, uh, I've been doing, I've been doing mobile hacking for, uh, say right after, right after college is when I really got into, uh, right after undergrads when I really got into it. This is when the App Store was first coming out. So we're talking about like 2009, 2010, uh, around there, and started building apps. And uh, I just really got interested in how uh, you know, smart smartphones were, were evolving and, 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 and such. So I I, uh, I specialized um, in, in something that people didn't need at the time. And... <laughs> Yeah, and it was very interesting. I mean, I mean, when I when I first you know got my first job even out of out of college, it was I was uh, I was just I was a software engineer. Um, uh, actually, I wasn't even a software engineer at that time. I was I was a web developer, um, mm -hmm. and so but I was making mobile application like mobile websites. And at the time, yeah. even then, it was kind of not even a big deal, right? Like, you know, it was just kind of evolving, you know, these, you know, mobile websites. And, um, but yeah, so, so I mean, I, I you know, the, the, the schooling and stuff, it, I didn't actually get a master's degree until well, my, my undergrad is from University of Tennessee, Knoxville in philosophy. 
my master's is from um, uh, Colorado Tech, and um, it, it's in computer science, specializing in security engineering. And then my, my PhD, it's in progress right now, a uh, third-year student at, um, uh, at North Central University. And uh, specializing in computer science, but 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 well, specifically researching. I'm I'm researching uh, mobile malware and 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 mobile spyware. That's my concentration. So, yeah, I guess that's the education part. But uh, you know, it it doesn't it doesn't make the person right. It's it, it's just more of a foundation. I think really, e- even at the PhD level, right? Like like it's it's it, it you don't you're not really taught much about the subject matter. It's it's really about how do you get uh how do you write about the subject matter that you're you're trying to uh research and 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 discuss you know out in the, out in the open so it's so interesting and so you started at hacking in 09 yeah i yeah I, I would say uh that was that was that was when i was was i started ish i started programming yeah. when i was eight years old okay. um so just just basic uh you know basic html just basic website stuff um, and then I would download programs for uh, AOL Instant Messenger, and yeah. you know, you know, pretend to be a hacker at that age. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I have like really strong associations with years and like what was happening in, in computers. So when you say '09, I'm like, dude, I think in '09 I got my first Droid, which was a Motorola phone nice. with the original operating system. It was right before I got this bootleg uh, storm, the BlackBerry storm with the clicking screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but, so, but from your perspective, um, you'd say you were kind of early to the mobile arena in terms of uh, development to some degree? For sure. Yeah, for sure. When the App Store first came out, um, you know, I was building, building simple applications. I mean, I think uh, – so I was working with a, with a partner, um, and he and I were, were – uh, we started this – small company out of Knoxville, Tennessee, and we made uh, dialer apps because, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You remember those? Like web, web browser based? It, well, or... well, the, this one was iOS based, but like you would, it would just, you know, tap on the icon. It, it, it might as well have been browser based. Honestly, that's how simple this, this simple it was, but we would sell them for 99 cents because that's what you would do. I mean, you, you make an app and you put it up for 99 cents and Apple takes 30%. And, and when we we got our first paycheck of like ten grand, we were like, "Oh my god, we're we're rich," you know, we're we're right out of college. And um, but then from there, you know, we we made some some other cool things, and uh, um, I was hooked, right? So um, it just it never it didn't ever stop. And I I thought, well, this is what I want to you know I want to do you know uh, you know I thought it t- at the time I wanted to do um, development for applications, so. Um, but, but I didn't have the experience to, you know, to get there. So I needed a job anyway. So, uh, that's when I took the, the web development job. And then from there it progressed into, um, someone giving me the opportunity, company giving me the opportunity to actually do iOS security. And, uh, so it, it was all an evolution and, and, you know, people trusting and, and, and then training, right. I'm thankful for that because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to get that far. Yeah, and a lot of people develop apps and don't make a dime, or, yeah. or they spend a lot of money and time and no revenue comes through. So, ten Gs or however much more came yeah. after that is still far beyond most app developers, in my opinion. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it, it was exciting at the time, you know, and uh, I think, uh, you know, I'm glad I did it. 
you know, I, I really learned a lot about it. And it, yeah, it's just, like I said, it's never left me. And then it, of course, progressed to Android uh, development. And, um, but it was all because, you know, I, I was, I, you know, I was given an opportunity, right, by, mm-hmm. by some, some pretty, pretty big companies, uh, like um, the Square One, it, SQ One is, is how, how they're known. Um, at the time, I was, you know, I was doing their web development for mobile web development. Um, and, uh, and then I transitioned into actual um, iOS security and as a necessity that, that something that they needed, you know, and they trained me. Um, and I've been doing, you know, I've been doing mobile security ever since then. I mean, if they didn't give me that opportunity, it would have. Uh, what a cool office too! It was a really, really cool office. They had the giant, <laughs> giant, giant hulks. They had uh, it was like something I'd never seen before. A giant Spider Man's and food twenty four hours because everyone would work like whatever shift they wanted. It was like a yeah. like the soup, the coolest tech, um, you know, space that I'd ever seen. And I thought, well, this is this is what this is what like a Google is like, right? Like yeah. food at any time, couches. It's, pods and super cool experience oh. and so uh my audience probably doesn't know too much about the kind of uh correlations or connections between like app development and then like your foray into security and some of the different hacking uh, ventures that you've been a part of but so like how did you go from like you know i'm going to build these apps to maybe I'm going to understand more about the mobile device all the way to this, you know, PhD where you're looking at uh, malware and, and some of the other security yeah. issues. Yeah. So it ended up, so one of, one of our clients um, was experiencing a lot of issues with, uh, with the application that, that we had made. And um, well, it turns out that there was data was being exfiltrated from our application um and uh yeah so that's uh we had to figure out why i had no idea i I had no idea what to do and and um i had a a supervisor my boss was just i don't think he really knew what was happening either but he sure did everything to like figure it out so following his lead and then other people jumped in um every you know I, i i jumped into it you know out of curiosity and necessity um and then I was able to even further my career with other opportunities with other businesses. Um, specifically, even even right now, my current role, my I'm I'm lead mobile security engineer for a crypto company, mm-hmm. and um, and so you know I I, I look for vulnerabilities um, in the operating systems. Um, it, again, this is all the an evolution of people just willing to give me a shot, give me a chance, and teach me things, um, and uh, which it's just it's you know allowed me to have the career i do um but yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't that you know i i did honestly i don't even think i knew about that this position at the time i mean we're still talking you know now like probably you know 2011 20 2012 somewhere around there i didn't yeah. even quite know that like the whole space of uh you know mobile malware or spyware at all and it was just kind of work on the security of the applications, work on the operating system security, and maybe you can, or work on the, you know, securing the application through, um, through finding vulnerabilities in the operating system. Um, that's just the progression. How do you, um, like, what are the most basic ways in your mind to define, like, um, or to define, I should say, malware and spyware? 
Oh, this is a good one. Yeah, <laughs> this is good. Yeah, I'm glad you you mentioned this because, yeah, um, this is so so. Spyware is a, a compilation of a lot of different malwares, and mm. it, in my experience, okay. Now that there it, it it is possible to have um, custom a custom made spyware. Not that I have ever seen uh, in my experience, though. Um, I'll give you an example. There, there's a there's a really um, you know kind of not so known uh, spyware that's called Triclops and made, made by the U.S. government, and it takes a lot of different um, let's just say applications that are open source that are not even malware, and it puts them together, and then it'll create either a malware, which is probably the closest uh, thing that I can say to like a custom spyware, right? Because it's not taking a bunch of malware. It's just taking a bunch of open source projects that are, that are free of malware and creating something malicious with it. That's the, mm. that's the closest I can see, can, can, can tell from a custom made spyware, you know, all, you know, malware solution. But, but generally like, like with, with, um, with the, uh, you know, spywares that we see that they're, they're com- comprised, uh, uh, of different malware, so let's just say that uh, um, you know one. Uh, well, there's a piece of malware that's uh, that's out that um, steals your passwords. All right, sure. we'll take we'll take something like that, and we have another piece of malware that that uh, listens to your phone calls and, and and takes your text messages. And so now you have two pieces that that can mm. actually start making up your puzzle, and then you have another piece that uh, let's just say. Um, enables location tracking, you know, real time. So, so mm. putting all these things together can now create what you have as a, a spyware, which will then allow, you know, real time tracking, real time, you know, exfiltration of text messages, uh, you know, emails, um, things like that. Uh, it is, it is something that uh, is, is probably, probably one of the, probably one of the most evil things I'd say in the world, and and. There is a lot of story behind this that that needs to be told, um, because there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of things that people don't know, uh, and the different types of spywares that are out there, and and my involvement in it actually, and my mm-hmm. contribution to this, um, not something I'm proud of, but I, I I'm you know willing to share with the world, and, and I have shared before, but um, this it, it there's uh, big tech and and governments need this type of technology so badly that um, it'll never stop. I don't ever believe it. It'll stop. Mm. And I think um, this is cool because we'll dig into this now and maybe we can bring the white hat versus gray hat into the mix. But, yeah. but I think so. Like if, if we consider malware, like malicious software. Right? Sure. Yeah, of course. And, and if we uh, assume that the software, when it gets installed on, a mobile device, like you said, it, it could take all your contacts or text or sure. can listen to your phone calls. Uh, I think in the in these conversations, there's so many different ways that cybersecurity people talk about it, or uh, the government or hacking. But but I do think people may have kind of a limited understanding of like uh, like how states kind of use these tools to control their populations in different ways or get rid of dissenters or, uh, you know, it's like a, le- it's a non-lethal weapon, right? Yeah. And to some degree. But so like when you talk about like white hat 
and gray hat hacking. Like, what are the core differences for you know uh, a non-technical person to consider? Sure, sure. So uh, when we say white hat, it it is it is um, we we generally consider that ethical. Not that it, that it, that is something to to it is it is you know, debatable, right? Sure. For sure. Um, but in this community, um, you know, white hat to say, you know, the good side, right? And, you know, the ethical side. Um, not morals versus ethics, right? You know, morals are, are, are personal ethics, I believe, are, 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 you know, business, right? That's how I could distinguish it, right? So that's why it is it is definitely something to, to discuss. But um, then we have this, this gray hat side, which is kind of teetering on, on you know, the ethical and, and the non-ethical, uh, you know, side of, of things. So, so, for example, um, well, we're making um, the government, let's just say, let's take this for example, the government has asked you to um, break into a system. Well, you're sure. doing this under the government's permission, except you understand that breaking in is actually, you know, ethically for what you're doing. Um, is, is that, you know, is it ethical for you to break into that country server? Is it ethical for you to be mm. doing that? But you're, you're kind of under the shield of the government or you're creating an application let's just you know just say you know that that monitors people but you're doing it for the government is that black hatting right or or you mm -hmm. and then you know um because, because it, it's not you know being a black hat is not just about breaking in it is is creating right this is mm -hmm. one thing like we we are engineers right we, we are we are software we are hardware engineers that um you know, know these systems intimately to the extent that that we can exploit them and mm -hmm. and develop, you know, like I said, hardware or software applications to, you know, maybe have some sort of a persistent um, backdoor or something of that sort. Um, so that's kind of, the, you know, the gray hat side is it, there's a lot of other scenarios, but I think those are, probably people can correlate those and, you know, most. And then black hat, of course, is, is um, this one, it, it is, it is interesting. Um, Okay. This is where you would say that uh, this is this is you know generally accepted, generally accepted that this is this is you know, illegal. I wouldn't say nefarious, right? I wouldn't okay. say that that it is it is intentional malice. I wouldn't say that. I would say that this goes against the um, the ethics that uh, of a white hat and and a gray hat to the extent that um, this is where it gets really really um, tough because. Uh, some people may consider selling a zero day be being a black hat hacker um mm -hmm. meaning that you have there's this there's there's this vulnerability that has uh that it it's very critical very critical vulnerability and and you sell it to let's just say the, the government or you sell it to um a zero day broker and some people may consider that a black hat but you're doing something that's you're not actually you're not actually using that against the people, but that tool will be used against some entity. And, sure. and the, so this is a very, very, it's a double-edged sword when gray hats and black hats, right? Because some people would consider selling these vulnerabilities to be a gray hat area as mm -hmm. well, right? So you find an exploit that'll break into, uh, you know, a phone or, or a computer and you sell that for, you know, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars it's not uncommon at all and uh mm. what have you done have you have you done something that's illegal 
technically not because that's the law doesn't actually say that that is illegal. The law mm. says you can't sell zero days to sanctioned countries. That's okay. you know what's passed recently. But there's no law against selling zero days, and this is where uh, I do struggle with with you know with this. Hmm. How's the zero day defined? So this is it means uh, means you don't have any days to you, you don't have any days to wait until uh, to to patch right. You you have to okay. actually patch now because it's su it's such an extreme vulnerability that it it will actually. Uh, compromise all of the you know integrity of of whatever application that, or or service or or hardware or whatever it may be um you don't have any time right to think about it you must drop what you're doing and patch it now and um those are the most critical because it's it's these are generally active and in the wild meaning they're being used live and uh and you have to find a solution immediately hmm. You know, it's so interesting, too, as we're talking about uh, white, gray, and black. Uh, I used to follow the breaches like clockwork. And I'm not going to lie. I feel like they're, the breaches happen so consistently now, and there's so many different actors that are breaching networks and databases and systems. Uh, I feel like I haven't heard of barely any in the last six months there was one that required everyone in the University of Colorado system to change their passwords last week. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I always laugh about those ones. Um, but are there like um, big zero day events that you can remember that maybe some of our listeners have potentially heard about? Sure. Um, you know, I, I, I want to I actually talk about one, one uh, piece uh, real quick. Sure. Before I go into that one, um, you mentioned like the University of Colorado made you change your passwords. When I was at Colorado Tech, I found uh, I found that I was actually able to to pull all of the uh, historical usernames, addresses, and and uh, phone numbers of all students from the past <laughs> from the past ten years. <laughs> yeah, I don't and mean I, to laugh. Yeah, I know. It's it's crazy, right? Like, and and so I I I I think I was just I think I was just finishing my master's, and and so so I thought, oh, this is this is nuts. Like, what is going on? And so I I messaged one of my professors, and I said, I found this crazy thing. Like, and not only that, I can actually I I could actually see what they were typing. So if they were using like Notion, uh, or or something, you know, because generally all the school systems use you know outlook right like microsoft outlook and and i mean it's, it's pretty standard around everywhere right like everyone sure. but and it's funny that everyone had the, the same issue right i talked to a lot of people there there people were around the world were telling me oh shoot i can see seventy thousand students their addresses their emails their phone numbers mm -hmm. i can see all of that and so, and then people, so, so Turkey, I mean, everywhere just like was saying, oh my gosh, I, this is, this is nuts. Uh -huh. I message, so I, I send this, send this into Microsoft and they come back to me and they say, uh, this isn't, this isn't an issue. Oh. This, this isn't, this is intended. This is intend. This, this is, this is by design. Hmm. And, and I'm thinking, wait a second. 
this is how is this by design? Um, be, because I can actually, you know, this is personal information. This it's PII, personally identifiable information. And they rejected it, and I tried to submit again. They rejected it, so I, I I went public on Twitter, and I said, "This is this cannot happen. This this is this is something that, that we have to address." Now, at the time, this is when we were um it, we were pulling out of of uh, Afghanistan, uh, and and so so it wasn't it actually wasn't that long ago. It was actually very very recent. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, no, not pulling out of Afghanistan. I'm sorry, the, uh, Al Qaeda had just taken over had just taken over Afghanistan. This is the very beginning. Um, and, uh, and so women's, um, w- women going to school was, was, was an issue. You know, they were they were that was going to be taken away from them and, and they were going to go back to, to, you know, I guess, you know, how things were, you know, when previously, well, this was an issue because I had spoken to, to many people that had said, Hey, you have to do something about this. I mean, you're talking about, if they, if the, you know, if the terrorists get this list of mm-hmm. of women, you know, all they have to do is get into the, in, you know, you know, enumerate, you know, get this, you know, run this, you know, non vulnerability, right? And they can get the addresses and, and phone numbers. They can get all the information, and then they can actually see. Because even if they said, "Oh, I never went to school," well, they say they could say, "I have the list right here that shows that you were actually in school, and you were enrolled," and so now it became. An issue of, of human rights and and women's rights and and I saw it, I started raising this alarm like we have to stop this we can't have these issues out there to the extent that even Clubhouse hid the personal information of Afghani women and they said we we have temporary they and this is they did this publicly they said we've temporarily um, you know limited the the information that's shown for Afghan you know, Afghani women. So, you know, to protect them, you know, during this, during these times. But Microsoft was just, was saying, no, this is, this isn't our issue. We, 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 we're not going to do anything about this. Well, the university had, uh, had said, yeah, you know what? We're, uh, you know, and actually, I believe, I believe, uh, yeah, they, they, my university, they, they did jump on it really quickly. And I'm sorry, I was, okay. I switched doctoral programs. This is important because because it, it, this this timeline is important. I was yeah. I was I was uh, I was in the I was in a uh, doctor of computer science program at CTU when this was happening, and I switched over to a PhD program. Is that I felt that that was the best for me. What I wanted, you know, personally in my you know in my education, wanted to be more focused on research rather than a, applied science, right? Because this was a, a doctor of computer science that I was in previously. Now, um, so that's the context in the timelines uh, important because when I did find this, I was in my doctoral program at CTU. Okay. So when I alerted my professors about this, they did jump on it very quickly and they remediation was within a couple of days because can you imagine a data leak of over 700? It was, it was over 700,000 students and, and faculty and and you know uh, guests or whatever it is that you know were registered in our system, that was a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But but I wanted to mention that because because these kinds of things are the things that go unspoken, that they're unspoken, right? And 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 people don't recognize people don't know about this, right? I mean, mm-hmm. CTU is amazing at, at remediating this, 
other universities around the world were amazing at remediating this. But the thing is, is that even Microsoft says this is not an issue. I mean, it had arguments even with with uh, um, you know doctors of computer science that said this is an invulnerability. What are you? You're crazy. This isn't. But what is privacy? You know, mm-hmm. Lee. If 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 this is not a vulnerability, if your privacy is not a vulnerability to be if it's if it's out in the open and if it's not vulnerable, then what is it? Um, but I did want to mention that and 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 the issue, the issue that was there was what that external actors could gain access to the entire uh, database of students, faculty. So it was internal actors, right? So okay. if, yeah, if, if you were, let's, it, it just default user access, right? Maybe, okay. um, which, which again, you didn't even have to be a, a student. I could actually send an invitation. This is how open the system was. I could send an invitation from my student account to an outside person, and then they could have the same access that, that, that I had. Oh, wow. And so they didn't even have to be so, – so, but as long as they could get in, then at that point, they could just take all the data. Mm-hmm. And um, to this day, there's people that will argue that this, this isn't an issue and this isn't a vulnerability. But this really brings up the question of, about how do, – do people even respect you know, privacy and data privacy? I, it seems as though it's just in our community, if it's not severe, if it's not something that's like like going to like end an entire system, people say, "What's well, not a big deal?" Mm. You know, it is. It is fascinating too, because then I start to think about like uh, like some of the structural limitations of some of these architectures. Like uh, I saw, I saw, I saw one of the like. The most interesting ways that I was able to breach a network, and it was it was not intentional. I was testing um, some tools, but if uh, if somebody was using like an older version of Outlook and not O365, yeah, then the software supplier needed to use a third party email connector to connect their tool to this Outlook 2010. Let's say, yeah, when that connection occurred, it sucked the entire inbox onto wow. the third party connectors infrastructure the whole wow. inbox it didn't matter what was in the inbox like wow. imagine if that's like an insurance carrier and they've got all the medical and health records of uh, the employee population of multiple multi-billion dollar multinational corporations yes. it didn't matter it was going to suck the whole inbox of every single user inside of the organization uh once that third party email connector was connected. And it was funny because, uh, you know, a lot of CISOs and uh, legal people and compliance and governance people, they don't even understand how simple these uh, exploits are or how easy it is to penetrate the network and bust it wide open. Um, So it is really interesting to hear you talk about this. I love that you said that, man. I love, oh man, you know, there is something to be said about People, people will, will, I think they hate those, you know, let's say air quotes, simple exploits. They hate them because they didn't find them. They hate them because <laughs> they didn't notice them, right? They and and there's, I don't think that there's envy that I've experienced from it. I think it's it's been, it's been, shame really, and and um like uh, people have people have felt 
embarrassed or 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 ashamed that they hadn't been able to find that and it is something that i that i i i try to understand and try to center myself and and uh how do i even discuss these kinds of things right because what you're saying is like it's amazing and i smile and you know you can see me smiling right now right because because what you said is it's, it's real and and it's really it's invasive right it's it's dangerous and why did no one else find it right and and what is it that i believe that when people say well you think around the box or outside the box well i don't have a box right sure. I, I, there there is no box to me and and i may be unconventional in, in the way that i i work and um but the simplest i was telling i was telling a client um i do work for a company but i do consulting as well i was telling a yep. client the other day i said sometimes the simplest hacks are, are the most dangerous mm-hmm. and i uh and i've been working on this this hardware wallet and for for cryptocurrency and it's 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 labeled as the the most it's the unhackable wallet and uh, and I'll, I'm open you know it, they actually posted a the, a public release about it uh, today actually Elliple uh, uh, Titan is what it's called and it's the unhackable wallet it, it, it's it doesn't get a Bluetooth connection it doesn't get a Wi-Fi connection you can't get to it with a USB it's like you know and the, the casing is you know welded and you know um, but I hacked it oh, and oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah and 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 they and they gave me a bounty and 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 okay. I said. Yeah, and and we we worked really closely together, and uh, and I said I'm not I said uh, I'm not going to share this how 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 I did this you know publicly. Of course, they know, right? They know, and and they're sure. and they're working on the fix. But I said this is this is dangerous because mm. so many people trust this this that no one can get in. So many people trust right. it that it's uh, it's impenetrable. Mm-hmm. But it has. But no one had been able to hack it, and and um, I think yeah, I, nothing's nothing's impossible if we can if if we can remove ourselves. I think if we're being indoctrinated, I think is probably one of the worst things that can that can happen to us. Not being open to other, um, just the idea that something is possible, right? Sure. Um, my, my wife said. My wife and I had this conversation, a conversation about what is the only thing that is impossible. And for months and months and months, we we couldn't figure it out. And she's a deep thinker. And then finally, she said, I got it. She said, the only thing that is impossible is to not make the best decision. It is impossible to not make the best decision. Because whatever decision that you make is the best decision it will always be the best decision it is impossible to not make the best decision and that's that's was i think the most profound thing that i had ever heard in my life and as i'm like seeking truth and i'm seeking knowledge and and it's amazing to have my wife share that with me because i carry that everywhere with me and and i i say this because nothing is impossible but if a man has made it right um we can get into it right we can breach it we can break it yeah you know yeah i mean i was pretty brazen um in certain parts of my corporate career i've talked shit to plenty of CISOs, um, sure. especially <laughs> the non-technical CISOs. 
and again, I don't code, so it's funny that I can even see the architecture, but, um, and maybe I just don't code because I don't know, but I guess um, I listen to the community. So I'm, I'm like on the periphery of the cyber world. I think about it when I need to apply it in certain ways. But I do hear a lot of arrogant engineers in the Bay Area, especially. And then, you know, I'm in Colorado. We've got like at least two publicly traded telecoms headquartered here. Sure. So tons of tailwinds for cyber solutions here in, in Denver, yeah. Metro. Um, but so the arrogance and the hubris of people at companies like Palo Alto Networks yes. or, or Cisco, right? Sure. Um, uh, it's like, you know, I went into the shop and they had these, these Cisco, like what were they called? Like ASA 5500s or something? But none of the system administrators knew how to program on the router. I see. So I'm like, geez, how many endpoints are connected to this router? Like, like right. so when you're saying some of these vulnerabilities are alarming, like, it's pretty alarming, isn't it? It's like, yeah, holy, it, does anybody yeah. care? <laughs> I, and, you know, I, I, I've thought about this a lot, right? But, can, and and I, I thought, can we fault people for not finding this right like mm. you see things in a totally different way than than you know uh you know let's just say a formal or an engineer would see it and there was one thing that was pretty amazing uh you know what people may say what they want about bill gates and this is not my preference of him but this is more of what he something that he did he he was working with someone on uh creating um yeah a toilet that would be able to um, take that that uh, that that excrement and that that waste and then turn it into you know to energy. And what he had said was, "I don't want any engineers that are familiar with this technology to work on this." He said, "I don't want any of them, so because because you all will not give me the solution that I need." He said, "I want engineers that know nothing about what this you know." anything about how the systems work you know specifically and 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 he did it and he, he took he took you know fresh minds that had never seen the issue before never studied it and don't, don't have phds in it whatever it is and and they solved this issue and granted mm -hmm. it, it may have been you know huge you know it may be a giant you know prototype you know it was, it was this massive prototype that was it would actually actually it was to turn this into clean drinking water i believe it was what it was it would take this the excrement and everything and turn it into clean drinking water and and they did it and um amazing right um you you could drink it you could you could wash your hands with it it, it was going to save a lot of people but i think that's something that needs to be done right like it is i believe that we see things just just you know so with such a narrow you know um view if if we and this is you know the hypocrisy with me saying this is like well i'm getting a phd you know <laughs> <laughs> the hypocrisy and and so, so i try to I, I try to step out of of my of my you know you know indoctrination if you will try to step out from that and venture into something new is so, so going to the cryptocurrency it was something that was just amazing right and i didn't know anything about it um you know until until probably you know probably about two years ago and um and so i was trying i would try to apply you know my mobile 
uh, into, you know, into, in, you know, there's a mobile app for crypto, you're trading crypto with that. And then, but it became as like, something just so much deeper that um, I, I think I needed it in my life, right? Um, it opened my mind and, and I'm so thankful for it. I mean, uh, yeah, there's a lot, yeah. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to I feel like with indoctrination and 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 you know looking you know through new new lens. But it, are we accepted right if we jump into a field that we're not familiar with? For me specifically, I, I think I've, I've had a lot of pushback. You know. Interesting. Well, yeah. In which field specifically do you feel? Yeah. So. Back? Yeah. So. It, um, which I don't venture off to too much, but um, so, so, you know, I said, I mentioned I started off with, with web vulnerabilities and web, um, uh, you know, web development. So, well, I started off with web development and then I moved into, you know, understanding it well enough to find vulnerabilities. So like, uh, Q3 of 2021, I was the number one hacker in the USA on mm-hmm. hackerone.com. It's you know, verifiable. You can see it. Um yeah. That, yeah, thank you. And uh, and then I was the number four uh, hacker in the world, and uh, and and generally when people have those those that ranking, this is verifiable. I've written about this, uh, you know, written articles about this, and showed everything. And generally when people have that 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 uh, you know that ranking, you're accepted in this community. That it's just like, wow, where where did you come from, right? Like, mm-hmm. what is it that uh, you know? How did how did you go from we don't know who you are to the number one in the USA. Yeah. But it was one of those things that I just was not accepted to the, to the extent that um, even to this day, people will say, well, well you're not, and, and you're not number one hacker and you were never number one. You, you, you chose to find vulnerabilities on free programs. When I say free programs is I chose to hack for the department of defense and the okay. department of defense doesn't pay you anything. You just, you know, you do it because you want to do it. Yeah. But in the community of of of, uh, of web hackers, if you're not making, you know, uh, you know, hundred, two hundred, five hundred thousand dollars from bounty programs, well, you're you're not you're not an elite. You're you're you've you're a, you're a fraud, is what they said. You're a fraud. You you, mm. you did you did easy mode. You hacked easy mode. Mm. And I and I said, well, it wasn't it wasn't actually easy to to come from nothing like. From the bottom, like like starting at zero, to the number one, you know, for that quarter because every quarter they they kind of your numbers go back to zero. Yeah. And, but I didn't I didn't fit in in that community well, um, to the extent that I got kicked out. Wow. I, I got kicked and not, not truly got kicked out. I I was actually um, banned from the Hacker One platform and another platform called Bug Crowd. Interesting. And I was banned because I found a I found a vulnerability that was leaking personally identifiable information and personal health information on mm-hmm. Verizon and Yahoo servers. Mm-hmm. That figures. Yeah, exactly right. And 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 when I reported this, they they confirmed it. They said, "Yeah, you know what you found is real." And then, sure enough, a month later, they said, "You know what?" This isn't a vulnerability. This is a privacy issue again. Mm-hmm. And I and I and this was it seemed like it was just a pattern and I wasn't going to stand for it. Mm-hmm. And so I went public with it 
And because I went public with this, which is now a non-vulnerability, I went public mm-hmm. with a non-vulnerability, a non-issue, I was yeah. kicked off of a platform, HackerOne. And there were people that actually stood up and said, wait a second, hold on, hold on. Do, do you realize, did you just kick the number one hacker in the USA off of your platform? Don't you actually want to see what, what he has to say about it? And But there was... It wasn't as that that the people that were that were you know uh, going to bat for me were it wasn't as strong as the people that were encouraging you know the the removal right they were encouraging me to be removed um and so this was this was a very interesting thing because I thought well, I, I I've I've risked everything that I've worked for to to stand up for the people that were affected by this leak. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, a month later, after all of the scandal and controversy, this leak gets fixed. Yeah. This non this non vulnerability, which, which I'm thankful for, right? Um, I'm thankful for, but 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 then now it's it becomes what you're a fraud and, and you're a liar and you you know broke uh you you know you you keep saying this is a vulnerability when when Verizon said it's not, even when it was fixed, and so it's a weird thing. It's almost like uh, this community. This uh, this is Twitter. This is Twitter information uh, security. This is this is this is a totally different, um, you know, you know, dynamic and and, and professionalism outside of a Twitter in, information security, right? Um, sure. So it is a very interesting thing that. So that that's speaking to what what did I venture out into that I wasn't fully accepted that that's what it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, perspectives that come off the edge a little bit, but still find something accurately, yeah. uh, sc- scare people. So like you're saying, like ascending out of nowhere, um, that scares people. You know, uh, People still ask me how, where, how I've been in Colorado for so long. And yeah. They're like, how, how come we didn't meet? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe some of us move differently. And then on top of that, not all of us in New York City or London, like, some of us want to live in other parts of the world. <laughs> yeah. um, but that doesn't mean that we don't have chops in these other parts of the world. You know, Chops come in all different shapes, sizes, and flavors. So I think that when the community is concentrated with a certain archetype or a certain expectation, any sure. community, um, they can get aggressive with people that are just coming off of the edge and may not use the language exactly the same or... Yeah. Or maybe are describing a nuance that's really hard to see, you know. So um, I can relate to some of these things. Uh, but then also, like, uh, I've listened to you describe in uh, detail some of the, like, programs that you've built or sure. some of the programs that you're researching. So it's, it's very legitimate work, um, what you're talking about um, on the mobile device. Yeah. Like, uh, and then again, like, I don't know... I don't know if you know or how many mobile devices are on the planet, but I'm sure it's more than a couple billion. Yeah, I I I'd, I'd venture to say that um, as well, actually. And, and it's funny because uh, this market, this you know, mobile device, you know, even even secondhand market, you know, buying and reselling these mobile devices, and and this was a really good segue, actually, what you just said. Um, this this is it's exponentially growing year after year because we are 
you know, in in the U.S., we we tend to to want the newer devices. In and and there's third world countries that are are just being able, just allowed to have specific kinds of devices. Just say like an iPhone 5s, right, or iPhone 6, right. They they're not allowed yeah. in these countries because there's um, one that there's like export uh, regulations specifically, right. So so these chips that are inside of these devices can be used. Um, according to the U.S. government, uh, can be used by um, by you know, nefarious actors, and and they can use these chips to create you know bombs, missiles, etc. Um, and so, but 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 on on the same side, uh, all these mobile devices that are around the world are since they're since we can't actually you know let's just say serve you know Syria or Crimea region right we have you know we have uh, you know uh, trade restrictions with with those regions. They're not able to get these devices easily, and they're not able to actually have the technologies that that we have. And so, there's yes, there's there's so many mobile devices around everywhere, but but uh, the access that people have to them, it, it is it's appalling that they don't have this access, right? Mm. Um, but uh, it it does it, it's a very interesting thing to 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 think about how. We have the we have the technologies and we, we have these freedoms to use these technologies here. We can get the latest iPhones, but um, we, you know many countries can't even have an iPhone six yet. You know, there's restrictions, man, whether it's from us or their own government that restrict the technology. And and I love what you were saying in in the clubhouse room the other day about how it is it should be criminal to not allow people to have the internet. That oh, yeah. was inspiring to hear that was just it, it, it was amazing um to hear that publicly finally um that it, i believe it, you even said i believe you said in you um that it should be a human right to have the internet mm-hmm. that is that is something that resonates with me i mean i, I i've got chills just thinking about it literally yeah. right now but with what you said mm-hmm. and that message is is i was awestruck by it because I resonate so, so you know so much with that, and so I thank you because. The, well, I you got to think. You got to think. I come from this is the words that society uses, right? But I come from a non-elite background, whatever the fuck that means. But at the same time, when I got onto the computers, when I got onto the internet, ten, eleven years old, who was elite? I was. <laughs> Let's be honest, right? Sure. And yeah. I was running um, simulators and I was uh, running with people around the globe. And so I was very exposed by way of the Internet at a very young age. And I, I understand how it makes information flow. So I, st- I still think there's like a really significant uh, quality argument when it comes to like access to information. Like, And I'm not a big equality type. You know, I understand like certain things get distributed unevenly. But when somebody has a mobile device, like it's really like, I mean, they can do a lot of things on that device with access to the internet that are still mind-boggling to me. Yeah. Um, even like, um, you know, again, I recorded and streamed audio uh, when I was much younger. But the ways that you had to do it were super cheap, and like people had to connect to your local desktop. So if you had like five people on there, like. Yeah, the, the the audio quality would be choppy, and so somebody would stand some server up and put these big ass pipes into it. But you, you needed a couple thousand dollars a month to maintain that, you know. But now, you know, I think I 
pay $140 a year for this software, but we have live audio, which is actually a modern marvel to be able to push audio out or to be able to have this conversation, the video component, and the fact that, again, this isn't a web browser. Like, it's not like I had to plug a CD-ROM in or have yeah. some crazy uh, application, like, you know, install itself all over the place in 100 different subfolders. So, uh, you know, in that discussion, you know, my thoughts were just about, like, how governments appropriate some of the technologies that you're researching and studying um, as a way to impede citizens uh, yeah. or as a way to stop them or slow them down. Not not as much in the U.S., but clearly that's because we can target individuals more precisely, whereas, like, certain countries aren't that advanced. They got to do a broad sweep of, like, shutting the Internet down, you know? Yeah. I mean, you spoke about censorship and as it pertained to, to you know, human rights and, and, and stuff that that was that was that was really amazing and and, and I again I I share that 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 uh, that sentiment that that censorship is something that is uh, it, it is it is a human rights violation you know even considered right now around the world right like if this is where I struggle though right and and I suppose I'd like to say that I I. I'm a free speech activist, right? I mean, I, okay. I, I, but, 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 but I, I don't think I, I fully qualify because I do have issue with hate speech sure. and that, and, and the, uh, as my own personal, right? Like my, my own personal issues, like, you know, if I hear it, I, I want to silence it. Right. But, yep. you know, but, but it is something that, you know, people have brought to my attention that if this is, if this is something that you're trying to fight for, it is it is the voice of all a voice of everyone and, and it is a voice of you know, and so again i i understand yeah i'd like to say that that uh i want to fight for th- you know for free speech and 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 you know no censorship but but then i would be a hypocrite you know at the same time and i'm, I'm very torn at this you know at, at that it, the possibility that that uh if i went fully for fighting for freedom of speech this would allow a lot of hate into my life, even, mm. you know, in my family's life. And, and then how would that affect me and my mission going forward? You know, well, somebody that works on the systems like you do um, and, you know, has seen the gamut of white hat, gray hat, black hat, you know, and also the explosive growth and distribution of the mobile device. I feel like you, I mean, like your perspective is one of the most important ones in the future as it comes to some of these um, political issues. Uh, Oh yeah, definitely. And, um, and obviously you actually have the ability. I'm sure I could stand it up too. If I wanted to take somebody's voice off the internet, I'm sure we could do that. Right. So I, I still have that kind of uh, dilemma in my mind too, of like, you know, should the, but the question really is like, is should the technology be what stops people? Or should, yeah. should it be another system or another part of what? What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's that's good. Um, oh gosh, this is this is a, a this is a, a really good a, a debate, even I suppose. But okay, so my thoughts on it specifically. Um, so censorship in in. Um, Let's, well, let's just take China's social credit 
system, right? And uh, and and how people are censored in fear of getting lowered into this specific um, you know specific ranking, right? So w- one of the things you know in, in the in the social um, credit system, like like one of the um, the defects that you can get is is being being rude to people online, right? Be, mm-hmm. Saying saying things that were that would go against um, you know whatever the you know, the policy said you will, and and then they monitor all of your activity to make, and then they you know put it up against an algorithm that you know, natural language um, you know algorithm or, or whatever it may be. Maybe you're speaking in a clubhouse event or something like that, and whatever you're saying actually goes against your score. Now, how it affects you as at a, as a Chinese citizen is, you can't actually um, purchase plane tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't actually uh, purchase train tickets. Mm-hmm. And there is a there's uh, an infographic that uh, that was that was released recently, and and even includes so if if you haven't actually gone to see your your sick grandmother um, for for X amount of time, and and, and then the government knows that, that they're you know the government. Uh, you know, alongside this, you know, AI companies who who are essentially they're one and one and the same. Um, that that goes against your social credit score too. So, the walking on eggshells concept is is something that people grow up with, right? And but but at at what point does it become normal? And I saw it recently. It was very disturbing. So there was a lot of controversy over the uh, the my 2022 um, Olympics application. Is it spying? Is it not? Is it you know um, you know I, I I made the claim that that uh, yes I can definit- definitively say that you know the version that I was using was recording all audio while in use, mm. and it was well received except for some people in the in the infosec community were saying well you have no proof you can't you, you show it and. Here's the biggest thing. The biggest claim that I, you know, this this is a is a big claim to say that it's recording all audio at while in use. Um, people see what they want to see, and 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 what something that was missed, and this was this is very important. I had been doing my research on this application for for weeks before I before I had made this claim, and uh, what I. There was a Citizen Lab is is a um, is a, it's a research um, facility that, that you know looks into human rights violations. You know does a lot of Pegasus spyware, you know reverse engineering. They had done their analysis and they had found some things, and the one thing that no one had mentioned or even said was that the technology that was powering this application. And let me give a little bit pre pre context about this application. This yep. this 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 application um this it's called it's my 2022 olympic beijing olympics application was required to be installed by every athlete and participant in the entire world Ooh. on their mobile devices mm-hmm. required and it was called it was it was for the air quotes health monitoring system at sure. hms is what they were saying so so 14 days before you went over to Beijing, you must have been using this application 14 days before, mm. and then you must use the application 14 days after to monitor mm. and record your health. And it had all kinds of other functionality built in, and uh, and it was and it had a lot of uh, you know intelligent services. They would say they were powered by intelligent services, except 
not one person in the world besides me caught that the technology that was powering this application that was required by every US athlete and their particip- like their their trainers and and their supporters and family members anyone that was going over there was powered by a sanctioned artificial intelligence firm called iFly Tech mm. so let me let me put this into perspective you've got the you've got this application in the iOS Apple and the Android Google Play Store that you can download these this application that is powered by a blacklisted spyware firm known for human bio, human rights violations and it's sanctioned by the US government for known spyware and this yeah. is in yeah and this is inside of this application that our athletes and participants even all over the world are required to install on their mobile devices there's no way around it right that, that you must have this if you're going to be traveling around, you know anywhere you know while you're there at the at the olympics and no one caught that a sanctioned firm is is powering this app they, they made this and and our own american firms allowed this application to to enter the store by there there's there's the law the us government has, has created i mean it says you cannot transact you cannot have any sort of you know interaction with this firm because it is a known spyware firm and it is a contributor to human rights violations mm-hmm. but yet here it is and so when i when i when i mentioned this i said what is going on and 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 people were 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 you know saying you have you, again you're a fraud you can't prove any and i said wait a second if anything can we take the focus away from me please one the one thing that we can all agree on is that this spyware firm is inside of this application that is inside of all of our american and allies and not just to mention everyone in the world honestly it, it doesn't matter who you are it's on their your mobile device and and people were just not taking it and i said you know what i can talk about this all day long or i can write a letter to my senator sure so i did well, and just to add to what you're saying really quick, it's not yeah. implausible that, um, like, say I'm any country for this matter, and I'm requiring a, a standard application to be downloaded by every single attendee, which is hundreds of thousands of people in this case, sure. or tens of thousands, to say the least. But uh, it's not implausible that I could use software to open up some parts of your mobile device and you may not be aware of it. And maybe I didn't disclose it properly. Maybe right, people just right. thought, oh, this is the Olympics sanction. Let's adopt the software. Like these things happen all the time. People adopt software that yeah. fucks their business up or, you know, it's not like it's never happened before. Right. Right. You and, know? Yeah, that is, it's true. And, and, uh, and, 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 I think, and this is to the people calling you a fraud. Like, yeah, no, exactly. Like, come I, on, I, guys. I, like, no, I'm with this you. This is the I'm, easiest way to do it. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, exactly. And where, what, what, what point do we, we, we stop the arguments? Because, because what happened is through the arguments, through the, through the weeks of arguments, when finally the engineers were like, "All right, let's see if there's actually really something on there," they had already patched it twice. Hmm. And they removed they removed the the components inside of of uh you know components uh, the, the libraries like the SDKs inside of the applications they got caught 
Mm-hmm. And here's what's, what's what's horrible is the iOS. And once I started going public about this, you know, and, and thankfully I have I have you know a good good uh, platform, you know, uh, you know, decent you know platform to speak on, on my Twitter account sure. at least that they can get the message out. Thankfully, um, the iOS store specifically stated this application does not collect any data no data at all is what it said mm-hmm. and and that was alarming to me because why are you requesting to see all of the devices around me why are sure. you requesting location access why mm-hmm. why is why are you requesting all of these other you know file system accesses and then i could see at, at like at, at minimum at minimum i could see that information was come those going from a beijing server back to my uh, back to my uh, mobile device and then back and forth back and forth this is data collection right at minimum no matter what it is it doesn't matter what it is what kind of data collection it is it is collecting now so I wrote uh, so, so so you know be, beyond all the, the, the criticism and, and whatnot it, it wasn't gonna st- I wasn't gonna be stopped there and say well I, I give up you know you, you you win Twitter you know Twitter infosec it, it's just my it was never about. I love me. how you call it Twitter info. So. Yeah, tw- exactly <laughs> because because the professionals outside were are 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 saying yes, this is this is insane. Like what's in ha- what's happening? So when I wrote a letter to so so I'm in Texas. So I, I read a letter to to Senator Ted Cruz. Uh, it doesn't okay. doesn't doesn't matter my affiliation. It's just who my senator is, right? And yep. I'm, I'm a constituent. That that's 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 what it is. Of course, I get pushed into whatever category. It doesn't matter, you know. At this point, you know, whatever my affiliation is, it's just that he's the senator, and he's Texas. my senator. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I got John Hickenlooper and Michael Bennett. Oh, okay, <laughs> right. yeah, whatever. You know, I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. So, so it gets it gets out, um, and uh, Senator Ben Sasse uh, picks it up, and he he uh, he speaks he speaks um, you know publicly about this, and he says. How were we? How how are we able to to not recognize that this spyware firm is in every single one of these American athletes' phones now? How did we get to this point where there is no regulation and there's no there's no verification of who like who can be in the app stores, right? And so he he called for an investigation, which my letter to Senator Senator Ted Cruz called for an investigation. That's what it was, and it was a very straightforward. You know, it's a request for investigation into this application because there is known spyware uh, inside this application that our American technology firms are allowed to have, and it's still open right now. It's still in. It's still in the app stores right now to this day. You know, it, it's it's February eighteenth, twenty twenty two. It's still there, and and so so you know, looking into this, we're thinking. And we're trying to we're trying to stop spying. No, there's no way. There's no way, yeah. you know, because because we we've just spread it to the to the extent that the Japanese government is asking their uh, Olympians um, if they will consent to a forensic analysis of the device when they come back uh, from from yeah yeah to to that extent. They're, yeah. they're not requiring it, right? They're, they're just, but they're there's. Just, are they like yeah. maybe seeing there could be some national security threat? Let's, I mean, even though we're violating yep. our own citizen, but if you're open to it, like let us at least see if something was installed on there. Yes, exactly. Because the fear of, of spreading this further is, is, 
is more prevalent than ever, right? People recognize now, oh wow, this this security engineer, you know, this mobile malware spyware, you know, student found, you know, that this is a blacklisted firm. And why did we not catch this earlier? Because it had been around for ten months, mm. ten months, and then and then someone had asked me, hey Jonathan, can you look into this app? Because I don't think that Citizen Lab actually did an analysis properly. Mm. And look, there's nothing against Citizen Lab because I talked to my wife about this and they said, well, Citizen Lab's Canadian. And and so this is an American issue, right? So so I can't fault them for not finding it, right? But it is something that I recognized, that, that name I recognized, you know, from, from reading news articles that this they are blacklisted, they are they are sanctioned. We have no business in our devices at all. Mm. So Yeah, and it's it's Again, also, it's not like we're like in conspiracy theory territory. Right. Um, th these things are happening often. People are trying to ask questions. You know, everyone forgot that um, uh, the way Instagram was affecting young people, and now they want to put a VR headset on that's developed by Facebook. Like, yeah. I don't even understand like why the memory is so short term. You know, Target got breached through one of its third party vendors. And but it still allowed sixteen or seventeen million credit card numbers to come out. You know, like, yeah. I mean, these, and and again, these things are happening so frequently. So I feel like maybe it's like the limitations of architecture, but then like interest, operating expenses, costs, like not being able to quantify or measure or visualize all risk. Um, yeah. And then when you have powerful states like China, like. I don't know. They're hosting the Olympics. Like, yeah, maybe people are like, all right, well, if we want to compete, yeah, we you know, I, I mean, it seems like some of these, um, invasive ways of, um, collecting people's information come through things they want to do. Like most people don't understand the location data marketplace or yeah. that people are buying and selling location data on, you know, with, people's mobile devices and there's the market that says it's not sketchy because it hides the IMEI number or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then there's the other market that is sketchy because it doesn't hide certain information, you know, right. like, yeah. but at the end of the day, people are spending um, tens of millions of dollars to integrate location data into different products, you know? Right. Um, and so a lot of people don't realize that their location sold and it's a it's an interesting market yeah, yeah that yeah you're right this um i i go back i go back to like the the, the days when i was doing this this web web hacking which it, it, all, it all kind of it, it all, you know was uh it, it was interesting to say the least because not only I, w I was trying to stick to to mobile uh you know bug bounty with with this hacker one platform and um but it always shifted to you know, the server that was holding information. So even if I was, you know, doing vulnerability testing on a, on a mobile application, I'll take GoodRx, for example, you know, the, the application that gives you a discount for your, for your medications. If you, if, if you don't have insurance, right. They had a, they had a program, you know, that, you know, that said, uh, you know, Hey, go ahead and hack our mobile application or our website. And, you know, we'll give you a bounty for your, you know, for your, your findings. And, um, I wrote about this and I had a podcast about this recently and, and just kind of remembering these, the days that I was when I had first started, 
The first vulnerability I had ever submitted to the HackerOne platform was a critical vulnerability, and it was from GoodRx. And um, and they said that that uh, what I, what I was able to do is I was able to actually pull out information uh, about let's say first name, last name, birth date, phone number, medication, doctor. I was actually able to pull all that information. And it's funny because I wrote about this and you know, I wrote an article about this um, and, and did, I did a podcast so everybody can see this. It's a medium. It's a medium post. It's really interesting because they, they said, um, yeah, we know about this. It, it's so, so we, we knew about this before you actually reported it. So it's, it's, it's not an issue. And, and I'm thinking, okay. Um, all right. Well, uh, fast forward a, a year later they they actually get to they they become they come under fire because they were they they knew about this data that was that was on this on these devices uh the information was being was being held in an error log so basically the information so the 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 app would air quotes crash an error log would be submitted and then that error log would be sent over to you know, to, to their servers. And then they were selling that information, all of that health information. This is public information and, and there's articles about it. They were selling that information to Facebook and Google. Jeez. And, and I was thinking, how grimy are you? Sure. It, it took, it took you a year later because they were, they never fixed it after I reported it. They never fixed it. it took mm-hmm. a year later. To, to finally get publicly called out by by big media for for you selling our public for selling our private health information to to Facebook and Google, you said, okay, fine, we're we're gonna stop. And and how, and how were they were reprimanded? That there, there's, you know, there's there was no follow up on how what the consequences were, right? And pe- people may not even know the story, right? They may not even know that that while they were using this application, you know, a few years ago, um, that that all their information was being sold to Facebook and Google health information, medications, sure. doctors, all that stuff. That, that's super private. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So, so, so it's the, you know, I agree with you. There's a lot of things that we are doing willingly that are allowing these companies to capture this data, but sure. there's also really like, you know, that there's when people say, well, they're capturing everything, right? They're capturing all of our information. I mean, they're going to do it anyways, right? But exactly, I, yeah. I mean, I I get it, but there has to be some sort of a like a some sort of a sense of of, of sovereignty, I believe, right? At least at yeah. least be upfront that you're. If if I agreed for you to sell it to Facebook and Google, then I agreed, even in the finest print. Sure. But the fact that it was done without our consent, that 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 troubles me because that, you know, even not, maybe, maybe not for me specifically, like I, but for other people, right? Like this is something that is a very, very intimate thing to have about someone, the medication that they take, et cetera. Right. Yeah. Could it really affect a lot of job opportunities? Even it could affect, you know, social economic, you know, um, you know, uh, you know statuses. It, it could, it, I mean, truly it, it could affect quite a, a lot of things. I mean, if you think about Cambridge Analytica, you know the, the data points that, that that were collected on us. They didn't even say every single one. They, we, we couldn't even imagine. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. And, it's it's frightening. Yeah. So I can go on about this. 
We will. I'm sure we're going to yeah. do a part two. And it, it's super lame. We'll, we'll wrap up. But uh, there's so many other things that we can talk about because, you know, data, privacy, security, hacking um, affects so many other parts of life. It's not just yeah. about computer systems, like you're saying. Um, what's, where should people go to find you or to be able to follow uh, some of the research you're putting out? Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I recommend. I, I don't. I, I always always tell people that don't don't follow me. But yes, like you said, follow the research. You know that that that's the the best thing that that, that I would. Um, I guess the best way to put it, right? Because there's so much information that I want to get out. So so my website is is it's the number zero, and then hak dot com, and then so you know research and. Uh, you know, code repositories, podcasts, speaking about these kinds of things. Um, you know, every, any project that I'm working on, you know, I'm gonna post it on there. And then, um, you know, I, so Clubhouse or, or or Twitter, you know, the main social medias that I use. I don't really use anything else, um, you know, actively. But uh, yeah, that that's the way that people can follow the research and and hopefully uh, contribute. That that's the big thing to contribute, right? Like. I'm, help these projects out everything that i do is open source right this is this is you know i don't um i don't uh, you know, earn money from from things that, that i that i make with with you know putting code out and, and whatnot and it's truly is you know uh something that i want i guess it's my my atonement which will probably be for another episode all right but um but yeah this is you know want to do as much as i can for the people i i appreciate it jonathan and um uh, I'll include these links when I push Great. this episode out. So it's been really cool to host you, and I'm sure that uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll be doing a part two at awesome, some point. It was, it's, it's such a pleasure, and I, I really look forward to the next one. Thank you. Heck yeah. Thank you, Jonathan.